Hello, everyone, and welcome to The JW Show. I'm your host, Joshua Washington, Director of Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel. And today I have a really great uh, special guest. She's the founder and CEO of Link. Um, they do an incredible, incredible work, and we're going to talk about that today. I have Miss Emily Nielsen-Winkler. Emily, how are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thanks yeah. for having me. Of course, of course. Thanks for being here. Um, so, Emily, can you, for our listeners, l- let us know where you're from and what you do? Absolutely. So, I'm from Israel, and uh, as you mentioned, Josh, I created a company called Link. And what we do is we create uh, strategic circular solutions for economies in emerging markets. Uh, our mm-hmm. core focus is on Africa. It has been for about six years. And what we do is we create uh, solutions to problems in water, waste, or agriculture, which are essentially all of your critical infrastructure sectors. Mm. Wow. And uh, wh- what made you um, tell us more about that? How did, why did you find, why did you found Link? What was the reason for that? Wow. Okay. So um, <laughs> actually a little bit connected to your side of the world. Um, so I, my background is in politics. Uh, I grew up to be one of you know Israel's uh, next protégés in politics. And mm. I was in Washington working with a think tank and was getting involved in the political scene. And the more and more I saw politics, the more and more I realized we've created a world that is very slow and very, mm. very self-destructive when mm. you would assume that the leaders in positions are supposed to be very empowering and very uplifting. Right. And I found that to be quite difficult, um, especially given someone coming from an Israeli Jewish background. Um, it's mm. very much against our value systems uh, to, to have that kind of mindset. So when I came back to Israel, um, I was about 21 then, and I decided if they're not going to do something about these issues, then I'm going to do something about these issues. And I took a flight to South Africa for the first time in my life, um, saw lots and lots of different things. And then I started getting more and more into other countries in Africa uh, as I went. And as I was going, it was almost something that was heavy on my heart by saying, looking at different problems that they were having. And knowing that back home in Israel, we have the technologies and the solutions to solve them, but Mm. somehow they're not getting down to where they need to go. Mm. Uh, And so I felt a huge responsibility to start doing that. So it actually didn't start as a company. It started as a hobby. Right, Um, right. And uh, with just dozens of requests a day were coming in from the networks that, uh, that I made in Africa. And people would just say, you know, Israel has this technology in water. Can you get me a connection? They have this technology in agriculture. Can you get me a connection? Mm. And eventually mm. it became so much of my time wow. that I decided, well, I better make a company or else I'm going <laughs> right, to right. go bankrupt doing right, this. Right, <laughs> right. Wow. And can you tell me, you said that we can, um, the way that, that some of us do politics can be self-destructive. What, what, what kind of things have you seen before you found it link that, that would obstruct um, that the kind of help that you're giving now. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, there's a lot of bureaucracy um, left in the world when it comes to uh, these types of big infrastructure projects. And I think that one of the most daunting things that I've seen is um, democracy, for the good or the bad, has created a boxed system. And when I say boxed system, I kind of mean politicians and decision makers, you know, everyone from the judicial system to the legislative systems, they're given very clear boxes, very clear guidelines of what they can and cannot do. And those guidelines haven't adapted over time. They also haven't adapted to humanitarian crises that have happened over time. Mm. Still today, we deal with humanitarian crisis kind of ad hoc. 
And the problem mm. is when something isn't actually defined all the way into a state of emergency, but yet, you know, uh, uh, millions of people in, in Africa still don't have running water or electricity, you know, where are we defining mm. what's a crisis, what's not? And so right. what, are you, what are you dealing with inside your box? And I think that we've reached to the point where most ministers that, that we've had to deal with, they, they kind of look at their box and they're very comfortable to say, oh, okay, but I'm the minister of water and you're actually talking about something that could be defined as irrigation. And so that might be agriculture. So it's not my address. Mm, and wow. then the next minister of agriculture was like, no, this is pretty much water. You need to speak to him. And then you get caught in this very bureaucratic system. Wow. And so that might not sound too bad when you talk about water. But if I told you that I've sat in meetings myself where ministers and deputy ministers of health have said, oh, no, well, we can't implement this technology. It'll save too many lives and we don't have that kind of budget to cover health care. Then you start really understanding wow. the depths of how bad politics runs into the well-being wow. of our day to day life. Sheesh. My goodness. Um, th- wow. Wow. So that's, I, I'm really appreciative of, of, of what you guys do, and I want to ask you some more about it, too. You said, um, or when I looked on your website, which uh, link-il.com, um, I went on there and uh, I was looking through a, a ton of stuff. I mean, I just, I, I love the work that you all do. And one of the quotes you have is something that I've always, I've always said about, about particularly with the work that Israel does um, in Africa, but for you guys, it's perfect too. It's, and it's that if you if you if you um, if you give a man a fish, you'll feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, you'll you'll feed him for for a lifetime. And that mm-hmm. I think is so it's it does encapsulate what you guys do so well. I want to ask you um, how, particularly in Africa, um, since you all have founded since you founded Link, and I think that was two thousand fourteen. Um, how have you mm-hmm. seen that? How have you seen the evidence of that, um, them learning how to fish? Well, I think that that's kind of what brings us back to the office every day, actually. Um, mm. uh, yes, that quote is on our website. It's, it's, it's actually on the front page of our company profile because uh, that's kind of the, that's the value that the company's founded on, mm. is that um, human beings, especially those that have been through, uh, been through a bit in their past. And I think that that's something that, um, that Israelis, especially, you know, Jews share with Africans. Um, mm. you know, people, a lot of people don't notice that, but we're two human groups alive today that have suffered through massive, um, massive waves of slavery and persecution. Right. Right. And I think that, you know, the media likes to try to tear us apart, but I think when you really get down to it, I recognize a mentality in a lot of the young African entrepreneurs mm. and leaders that they're just waiting to burst through. And it's almost like they're waiting for somebody's approval. And mm-hmm. whenever, you know, when I started in, in Africa and our first office was in South Africa, it took me another two years to open in Ghana. But the first thing I always do in these countries is I start bringing to Israel delegations of young leaders, whether it be a business, politics or, or media. And I learn from them because I think that young people have the key to understanding the not only the culture of a place, but mm-hmm. the potential of a place. Right, right. And I always tell them the key thing that, that the Jews run off of, especially when it comes to, to the issues of Israel. You know, being being a slave or being a victim, it's mm. it's a circumstance of reality. But acting like a victim is a choice. Mm, mm, right. And that's what we want to get across to them is that all of the technology and all of the service, all the solutions that Israel's created, you know, Israel's 
the modern state has not been existence very long. We were able to turn our destiny around because we hold the control of our destiny. That's a choice. Mm. And they have the same choice. They can learn and thrive off of these technologies and they can push forward themselves and do amazing projects for their own people, for their own land and, and succeed and thrive. They don't mm. need to wait for politics to give them a grant or an approval to do that. And I think that that's really the joy of, of what we do because we're, we're teaching them kind of a different way while doing it with them together side by side. Mm, mm. On that front too, you said v- being a victim is a choice. Um, have you, have you experienced any um, difficulty or pushback on that front? Have has there been challenges that you guys have faced where maybe physically, you know, you're able to, to make some big change, but maybe mentally there's still, there's still blockage there. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyone who who has you know had has been victimized in their past could understand that sentence. Um, it's always there. You know, it's, mm. you know, it, it's kind of like I explained it to them. It's like our water our water projects. Mm. Yeah, I can come in and I can fix a system so that it can be running beautifully, right. but it doesn't mean it doesn't still have some holes in it, and mm. it's not going to hurt every now and then. Right. Right. Um, you know, on the contrary, sometimes it'll be you know put under more pressure, and it needs to hold up to to more, and it has to be more sustainable. Um, you learn how to flex those mental muscles as you go. But I think that just kind of by default, one of the things that really helps the link alumni stay together in these projects is we've kind of created a network of businessmen in each of these countries that we work Mm, in mm. because these young men and women first and foremost also get to experience a lot together if they come on the trips to Israel and then see all these technologies, they brainstorm together how they can use these technologies to empower their country and they go back and they do that together. And it's always easier to deal with that mental block when it's in a group and not individually. Right, right. Absolutely. And so tell me, and in, in, while we're talking about that as well, if you have one, or maybe a hard to que- uh, too hard a question right now, but what is your favorite uh, success story? Mm, oh, wow. <laughs> Jeez, that's a tough one. <laughs> Let's see here. Well, okay. So my, my biggest success in the company is probably so all of my financial advisors won't like that. I say this, <laughs> but I think that the biggest success of the company is, um, is actually, um, our reputation. Mm. Um, we've given up a lot of big deals in the past to maintain a very honest and loyal, uh, reputation to our mm. cause, to our mm. projects, to our industries. And I love the fact that I'm leading a company that people know that they can trust. There's right. no question about it. Right. Um, it creates a family instead of just kind of a, you know, service supplier and client relationship. Right. And and I find that to be very very special. Mm. Um, but if I say project wise, yeah. Well, I'm okay. So I'm kind of a, a sucker for what we call the circular economy. Okay. And so if you if you went through the site, you probably saw a lot of stuff regarding circular solutions and circular yeah. economy. Right, right. Um, and so I would actually say that the company's biggest success so far has been able to um, implement in each industry that we have a solution that is completely circular and has led to the ability for we now are able to enable communities to be completely sustainable and self uh, and circular, which essentially that means Using our solutions, a city could uh, take it, could supply its water, treat its wastewater, send that to irrigation, so it's treating its agriculture, right. collect all of its waste, turn its waste into energy, 
And then that energy supplies energy to that whole system that I just defined and additional to the community. So it's a complete circle of critical infrastructure. Um, wow. And we wow. kind of call it our masterpiece. And so I think that's our biggest accomplishment so wow. far. Wow, 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 wow. That's incredible. That is amazing. We're going to take a short break. Emily, thank you again. Y'all don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The JW Show. Again, I'm here with Emily Nielsen-Winkler. Thanks again, Emily, for being here with us. My pleasure. Um, so, Emily, I, I learned that you recently opened an office uh, here in the U.S. And, and um, I want to ask, after all these years of, of working in mostly in, in the continent of Africa, why, why come over here to the U.S.? Yeah, we did. Um, so... Also a really good question. Um, so we've spent the past six years only in Africa. And I will be honest with you, if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have told you that I have no plans in opening <laughs> up an office in the United States. Right. Even though I was originally born there, I moved to Israel at a young age. So I do even have a connection to the United <laughs> States. Um, wow. But my uh, my initial understanding was that, you know, I work in empowering um, critical infrastructure projects in, mm. in emerging markets. And, and you don't, Mostly, you don't view the United States as an emerging market. Right, right. Um, however, you know, following your your last question on the circular economy and the circular solutions, if once we created that solution that literally a city can sustain itself, mm. um, all of a sudden we started getting a lot of interest from all over the world. Um, not only the United States, but we also opened up uh, an office in Eastern Europe this year. Wow. Um, everyone's kind of begging for a way to sustain ourselves mm. in, when it comes to our basic resources because really we've just mismanaged all of them as as human beings in the world for so long right right um and and yeah we actually have some really exciting stuff coming to the united states um it's all kind of in the building process now but uh come january 2020 we're actually going to be going live with one of our big water projects wow and it may be astonishing to hear um i don't know how you know the uh, american crowd will take it but you guys actually have a really big water problem yeah. that most people aren't aware of. Right. And, and that is the amount of water that you guys actually lose yeah. in the pipes under your grounds between the time that the supplier send, sends it and the time it gets to your house. Oh, wow. Huh. Uh, yeah, it's something called NRW. I would always recommend that you know future people or they want to get involved in the environment issues learn about it. It's called yeah. non-revenue water. Huh. And how, just how, in, you know. Sorry, how, how, so explain that again. So how does that how does that work? How do we lose that much water? Um, how does that work? 
Yeah, so I'll give you kind of like a um, a sixty second overview of yeah. uh, of NRW. So in essence, it's relatively simple if I explain it in the sense that the supplier supplies you water. So you have everyone has a water supply, right? You pay a right. water bill. Right. Um, you pay for what you consume. But mm-hmm. on the way to you, let's just say that you know um, that you consume uh, seventy five gallons uh, a day. Okay, let's just okay. say that if the water supplier's infrastructure isn't uh, isn't fixed, isn't uh, running properly. It has a lot of leaks along the way, and mm. it could leak. Let's just say twenty five gallons on the way. Oh wow! And so that actually means that he's you know he's leaking twenty five percent of what he's supplying to you. Mm. Now, in the end, of the day, every utility deals with that differently, and most of the time, the American citizens end up paying for that, right? Because what they'll do is they'll just add another two cents, three cents, five cents to your bill, and you'll never notice. Right. But right. technically, they've been doing that for thirty years, and now it's too much. Is too much. Right. And right. now they're trying to hide how much water they're losing, and now it's become the point where no one knows how to deal with it. But wow. that's not really true. Um, Israel learned how to deal with it a long time ago because we don't have any water to spare. Right. And so we had to figure out how to deal with it. Mm. Uh, mm. So now we're actually going to be coming to the United States and implementing full-scale repair plans for all the utilities um, that are interested in repairing their leakage system and reducing the the water stress on their on their systems in the supply process. That's incredible. Which will bring down their operation costs and it'll also and more importantly save a lot of water right, for you guys. Right. My goodness. Well I, I that's that's incredible. And I, I think the people would love that. And again it's just another way to show that how, how Israel and how Link uh, is concerned about actually fixing problems and and, and providing viable solutions. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome Emily. Um, I, I want to ask you, going back to Africa, um, I know that you said that you for the for the first six years, you pretty much operated, you operated solely in Africa. Um, mm-hmm. What is your, what do you envision for, for Africa because of this work? Like, what is your desire? Um, what do you want to see happen for Africa? Um, big picture, like in the next, in the next few years. I would say that in the next 10 to 20 years, we're going to see a massive breakout of young leadership in Africa. Mm. Um, if, if anyone ever had the opportunity to spend some time in different African countries, no matter you know whether you're in the South, East, West, what will always happen is if you can, if you can dedicate one week to sit inside of a country, doesn't matter where, what I can guarantee you is that you will find at least one young, super impressive, just really kind of mouth-dropping charismatic potential leader Mm. and i find that inspiring and i think that that's something that is is really underrated because these people are so passionate about their countries Mm. about their their future they know their history they know where they come from but they also know the potential of hard work and the ability to move an entire nation forward Mm. and Mm. i think that there's nothing that's going to stop that from from really seeing that in the next 10 to 20 years as political parties are turning over to the more younger side and and that braveness is coming up to the plate. Right. And do you see this being, so you said you also were, were pretty heavily into politics and I'm sure, are you, are you still now? Is that something you still like do now or are you, it's just more like what you do? I really try to stay away from politics. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in in Israel, it's almost inevitable, especially because we have elections like every month now. Right, right. (laughs) But uh, we have elections again next week, and, you know, everyone's talking about politics. Right. I have a golden rule of thumb. It's very easy. If it helps me, then I'll stick with it. If they're in my way, I'll push them aside. Absolutely. I I like that. I like that. 
Well, I do want to ask you: do you do you see some do you see the work that you all doing as being good for uh, overall for for Israel Africa relations? Is is that something you see? I would like to think that it will be. Um, you know, I think again, you know, we're a private company, we're a small company, but we're based on a lot of values that that you know, unfortunately, my parents gave me growing up um, as right. as a Jew, as a Zionist, and and as someone who. You know, I'm not fully religious, but fully believes in the messages of the book of Isaiah. Uh, mm. We have a responsibility to share with the world what God gave us. Mm. And what God gave us was a unique ability to create solutions to very difficult problems, mainly for survival. Right. And right. I find a huge personal responsibility to be able to do that. I love that we're able to do it in a way where I can provide salaries for my team in Israel and in all the countries we work in. Right. right. Um, and I think that you know, you never know what comes in the future, but I always hope that I serve as some sort of an actual link between between mm. my nation and other nations that work with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we appreciate the work that you do too, Emily. Um, Emily, I want to first of all just say thank you again for, for coming and, and, and just sharing with us. I think more people need to know uh, what you all do, what Link is, and, and how they can... Um, keep up with you all is there a way that we can we can help a way that maybe we can we can give or is there something we can do to to help you guys continue to to function well we're always interested in uh looking for new people to join our network um ever anyone's welcome to register for our newsletter uh, on our website uh that you mentioned um link-il.com and every now and then we do send out uh, notifications of either um, charity charity projects we're doing, humanitarian work that needs attention in markets that we come across, and even more so to maybe even take part in some of our delegations. Um, we do the delegations at cost, so you know you cover the expenses to join, and you join an amazing family of of uh, businessmen and women from around the world. Uh, it's quite special, and so we're always looking for for new people to to come and join our family. Awesome. So you guys, that's link-il.com. Please check it out and look up what the amazing work that they're doing and be a part of it. Um, it's, it's incredible work. Um, Emily, thank you so much again for being a part of this. Um, we wish you all the best and, and hopefully we can get do this again soon. Great. Well, thank you, Josh. It was a pleasure. Yeah. All right. You have a good day. You too. Thank you all for listening to the JW Show. Once again, I'm your host, Joshua Washington, and I'm signing off.